Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 532. Welcome in. Uh, I am still sick. Believe it or not, I recorded my last episode on Friday. Same sweatshirt, same location. Uh, could barely get through it. That was, unfortunately, the very beginning of being sick. I got worse from there. Uh, I could barely talk yesterday morning. Here we are on a lot of drugs, um, only ones that affect my congestion, I swear. Uh, none of the loopy drugs uh, or the fun drugs. Uh, here we are, trying to do a show, doing the best I can. Um, it is currently 21 degrees outside here in the northwest. It is frigidly cold. It's super windy. Here's how cold it is, by the way. I took a shower at the gym, Planet Fitness, like 20 minutes ago. I walk out of the gym. My towel froze on my way from the gym to my truck. Like, that's never happened to me before. And it gives me a whole new level of respect for guys like Baker Mayfield who just played in 15 degrees in Green Bay on Monday night. I'm like, oh, nope, no way. That sounds absolutely horrible. I lived in Hawaii for a year. And suddenly, like, I'm an island boy. I can't handle the cold. I can't do it. I, like, cannot. No cold for Zach. Uh, I am unfortunately still here in the Northwest. I remember saying, I'll leave in August. And then I was like, I'll leave after Thanksgiving. Now I'm not going to leave till after Christmas. Um, I'm so glad that everything you order takes, like, months and months longer than they say. Uh, I'm just complaining at this point. Hope we're doing well. Uh, it's a hard time of year. I know we're about to have like a really massive winter storm here in the Northwest, but I think across the country, I encourage everyone, I hope you're safe. Hope you're taken care of. Um, <clears throat> I know that it's also a hard time of year. Christmas, it's also December. It's cold. It's dark out. When it is sunny, the sun's at like a 45 degree angle right into your eyeballs. Uh, I know this time of year, the edge of the bridge is looking really tempting. Hey, Take care of yourself. I know life's hard. We're all trying to not die. Do what you can. Uh, get professional help if you need it. But also, like, just do little things to take care of yourself. I watched a TV show while I was sick called Ancient Apocalypse. Uh, absolutely amazing show. If I could go back, I would have taken edibles during the show. I'd like to enjoy it even more. Uh, but alas, I was I was sick and trying to not die. So here we are. Uh, jump in. Let's talk about last weekend. Today's going to be a, a very long episode. This is why, like, I'm not in any hurry with the intro here because it's going to be, like, maybe the longest episode in the history of this show. Potentially not. I don't want to overpromise. I'd rather underdeliver and overpromise, but I think it's going to be a really long one. I've been super sick. So today we're going to recap NFL Week 15. We're going to discuss the NFL playoff picture. There's a lot of news we got to talk about. We've got 10 Ask Zach questions from Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Then we'll talk about next weekend, and it's going to be a really interesting Christmas weekend in the NFL world. A lot of great games going on. Probably the best game of the weekend actually is a Thursday night game, which is really cool. Uh, tonight It's Thursday morning, so tonight actually is going to be maybe best game of the weekend, which how long has it been since a Thursday night game was truly outstanding? Um, I, I know it's late, I, I'm at the point in my career where, I, again, I'm just trying to not die. I am doing the best I can, trying to pay my bills. Um, I, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm a one-man show, and I think you're going to be glad. Like, I still am having a hard time talking. I promise you didn't want to hear me do a podcast yesterday when I was just full of phlegm and blowing my nose every five seconds, and I literally had the sniffles and just couldn't exist as a human. So 
Uh, anyway, let's jump in and start with a recap of week 15. Actually, no, we can't do that yet because I got to tell you this. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions that they have forgotten about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or it's a Hulu account that you never use and never watch stuff on. Well, there's this great app I use that helps me track all the money I spend. Like, what exactly am I spending it in? What am I spending it on? That app uh, and I owe a big thank you to them, is Rocket Money. The Rocket Money app used to be known as Truebill, now known as the Rocket Money app, shows you all of your subscriptions in one central location and then cancels whatever you don't want. Sometimes uh, you even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for. For me, for example, uh, they helped me get rid of an $8 a month SoundCloud fee that I was like, oh, how do I get rid of that one? I was double paying. It was really annoying. Uh, sometimes you'll find out again you're being double charged for a subscription. It's pretty cool. And to cancel a subscription, all you have to do is hit the cancel button and Rocket Money will take care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions now. Go to rocketmoney.com SOS. Legit, it could save you hundreds of dollars a year. That's rocketmoney.com SOS. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions now at rocketmoney.com slash SOS. They're a great sponsor. I like them behind the scenes. I'm really proud of them. I like to have them. Um, I don't take bad sponsorships. You know, I got to say, someone asked me recently, it was actually the advertising company. It's like, what's your dream sponsorship? And I, I'm feeling rowdy and like silly and fun. I want to do like a lube sponsorship. I, like I don't want to mess with gambling or gambling's the one I just don't touch, but I, I would love to like promote lube. I think it'd be so funny and like silly. I can't even imagine what I could come up with to make a really funny, like commercial ad read for lube. Like person, you know what I mean guys? Like that'd be really fun. I think that'd be like awesome. So I don't know if that's a thing in podcast land. I know like blue chew is where they talk about the, the pills you take to make things, uh, swing. Uh, but I, you know, I think, I think Lou would be like a really fun challenge writing wise to figure out how do you write an ad read for, for that product. Anyway, um, let's talk about week 15 in the NFL world. Number one on Saturday, the Indianapolis Colts were beating the Minnesota Vikings 33 to nothing at halftime. And then they lost. It was the biggest comeback in NFL history. I watched it live. I was like, I cannot believe what I'm watching. First half was honestly not a good game. I was like, this is just atrocious. And then Minnesota went on to win 39-36 in overtime. And as the game went on, it got better and better. And I can imagine almost anyone other than Colts fans were rooting for the Vikings because we like a good comeback. We like a story that's interesting. And we were all like, are they really going to pull off this crazy comeback? And they did. It was so much fun. Uh, I didn't expect to pay very much attention to this football game, if I'm totally honest. I, I turned it on Saturday morning. I figured Minnesota was going to win easily. I wasn't even sure if I was going to cover it on the podcast. And Minnesota did win, but they did not make it easy. In the first half, the Vikings had a punt blocked. That gave Indy a touchdown. Then two plays later, they fumbled. That led to another Colts touchdown. The Vikings offense was absolutely horrible. In the first half, they had two failed fourth downs, a fumble, a blocked punt for a touchdown that gave Colts the Colts a touchdown. Kirk Cousins also threw a pick six. They found themselves down 33 to nothing at halftime. And I think Minnesota deserves a lot of credit here because 
They also started the third quarter with a three and out. So the Vikings punted the ball away, down 33 to nothing. And at that point, it would have been very easy to say, you know what, guys? Today is not our day. Let's just get out of here, try it again next week. But also there was this attitude with the Vikings that were kind of like, screw it, we got game left. Like, we got time left on the clock. We might as well try to win. Like, what else are we going to do? Go home. Like, you know what I mean? I, I really respect the attitude of, we have nothing to lose, literally. Let's just try to win this football game. And they did. And as a result, not only did the Vikings win, but the result is that Colts quarterback Matt Ryan is now on the losing end of not only the largest comeback in Super Bowl history where they lost to the Patriots, the Falcons did with Matt Ryan after leading 28-3. to But also, now Matt Ryan is on the losing end of the largest comeback in the regular season. Matt Ryan led a game 28-3 to and lost. Then he led another game in the regular season 33 to nothing at halftime and lost. Are you kidding me? What a painful reality. Indy actually had the ball up 36-28 to with three minutes left in the game and the Colts could not run the clock out. I would call that a total offensive failure. You know, the Vikings won in overtime. In the second half in overtime, here is what the Colts offense did. They punted six times. They had one turnover on downs. They had a fumble. They did kick a field goal. That's three points. But, you know, they, they had a 33 to nothing lead and blew it completely. Just a really shameful performance. It goes on the defense, too. It goes, I mean, there's a lot of factors in why you lose a football game. But, like, just the inability to move the football for the Colts offense in the second half. Um, <clears throat> what a, oh, what a frustrating time. Now, I want to give a really big shout-out to the Vikings fan base for staying engaged all game. I mean, again, you're down that much in the second half. I, I, I don't know how, like, I had friends at the football game they were engaged. They cared. And clearly, like, just the people in the stands didn't give up on the game. And that really is important. Do I think it helps the team? They feed off that energy. I also want to stand up for Vikings corner Chandon Sullivan. I thought the refs absolutely screwed Chandon Sullivan out of a touchdown. Indy had this obvious fumble. The refs ruled the runner down for some reason. Chandon Sullivan picked it up and ran it for a touchdown. So it's a huge miss by the refs. It should have been a touchdown. It wasn't. But also they gave him an unsportsmanlike penalty. So they took away his touchdown and penalized him. And it, it just was so wrong. And I felt like the penalty added insult to injury. It was just really frustrating. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? You did this guy so dirty. And uh, I encourage people who haven't watched the video, go watch it. It's, it's absurd that they called the runner down. Like, uh, uh, watching a live, you're like, that's a fumble. Like, very clearly. Refs missed it, and uh, you know the Vikings were down eight, and not only needed a touchdown, but also got the two-point conversion to tie the game at 36 apiece, force overtime. Biggest comeback in NFL history. It was very, very cool. Kirk Cousins made big plays after an ugly first half. Just an awesome team win, and uh, you know, kind of a general takeaway I saw in the social media world was, oh, the Vikings are pretenders. I mean, are, how many teams could come back down 33 to nothing? I'm sorry. I watched a lot of the Patriots offense, unfortunately. I watched the Patriots-Raiders game last week. Uh, the Patriots offense simply is not capable of coming back being down 33 to nothing. There are offenses in the NFL that simply cannot score that many points quickly enough. And uh, <clears throat> say what you want 
I think a lot of people are reading into this this win as actually negative for Minnesota. I don't know how you do that. I, I think it's an incredible victory all around, and I don't know. I just, I just walk away very excited about where the Vikings are as a franchise. It's a really meaningful win, and uh, I'm happy for them. Now, the middle game on Saturday, the Browns beat the Ravens 13-3. to The Ravens were without their star quarterback, Lamar Jackson. He did not play. He's hurt. By the way, it's been 11 games since a Ravens receiver caught a touchdown pass. Not tight ends, receivers specifically. Hasn't happened since week three of the NFL season. And I'm at the point where I would not mind Baltimore parting ways with their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. I think they just need new, fresh ideas in Baltimore. And I wouldn't mind watching Lamar Jackson run a more pro-style system and... uh, Maybe rely on his arm a little more and be treated with a little more, um, I I just don't, I don't know. I I think you use Lamar, let him run to improvise, but I think the designed runs are getting a bit dull. And I, I, you know, I I don't know how to exactly say this, but um, I think the best thing you can do is run a lot of boot action fakes with Lamar Jackson, get him on the perimeter, let him use his speed. But I I think they use a lot of too, you know, too many design quarterback runs and they need fresh ideas in Minnesota. I, I would love to see... They're not going to hire Eric Bieniemy. You know, he's going to if he leaves Kansas City, he would probably go to be a head coach somewhere. But someone like that, there's there's guys out there who have creative play design that I think could really take advantage of the skills that Lamar Jackson has. Um, while also, I think developing the Ravens' offense from a passing standpoint, which is very much what they need. And uh, I, I just I'm ready for fresh ideas in Baltimore. Now, those of us waiting for. Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson to have an amazing game. We're still waiting. In this game, Deshaun Watson was 18 for 28 passing, 161 yards, one touchdown pass, uh, zero turnovers, and that's totally a solid performance, but it's also not a truly great or amazing performance either. Deshaun Watson, he's making progress. He is getting better. It just takes time. Apparently, during Deshaun Watson's suspension, I didn't know this till I listened to the game and uh, he wasn't allowed to have access to the playbook, and I, I feel bad not knowing that. He had the old one from training camp, but apparently uh, he didn't have the current up-to-date playbook for the Browns offense. And, you know, you got to remember, so much evolves and changes during the season. So, you know, the playbook he had from training camp was just nothing like the one they have today during week 16 or 15 or 12 and he came, you know, 13 when he came back. So Deshaun Watson really is catching up, which makes his lack of an incredible game, I think, a little more understanding. But at some point, Browns fans are going to go, dude, it's time. We're paying you so much money. You got to win and look amazing. And so far, Deshaun Watson, in three starts, has not done that with the Cleveland Browns. Now, um, I, I going into Saturday, this was the game I was most excited for. I thought was the biggest game. One second, I got to clear my throat. You know, I cut that out. It's like there's a monster living in my throat. It's insane how much um, just phlegm and mucus. It's not fun, and I, I absolutely hate being sick. But look around. Do you think there's a, a person to fill in for your boy, Zach Schaumler? If I don't make the show, no one does. So here we are. The Buffalo Bills beat Miami 32-29. to It was a really big loss for Miami. Miami started the year 8-3. and They've now lost three games in a row, so... The Miami Dolphins are now 8-6, and six, and that's not great. Uh, the Bills are now 11-3. They clinched a playoff spot. 
I thought in this football game on Saturday, Bills quarterback Josh Allen outshined Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavaloa. Josh Allen had four touchdown passes. And all day Saturday, people talked about all the snow that was going to fall in Buffalo. I saw a bunch of shots all day. This is what the Bills stadium looks right now. looks like right now it's covered in snow. It's going to be eight feet of snow. It's going to be insane. And come game time, no snow. The, the, the field was totally clear. And it really didn't start snowing until the most dramatic part of this football game. In the fourth quarter, subtly out of nowhere, snow starts falling, right? You know, Josh Allen had this really big run, and bam. Right about that same moment, Josh Allen had a big run, bam, snow started falling. So Miami started the fourth quarter with a lead. In the snow, Buffalo tied it at 29-29, and with nine minutes left from that point, both teams got one shot with the football. Miami had an opportunity to put together a scoring drive. They could not. And Buffalo did. Buffalo put together a 15-play, 86-yard drive that took up nearly six minutes of time off the clock. They kicked the game-winning field goal to win his time right out. Um, you know, Dolphins quarterback Tua was all right. Tua was fine. He had two long touchdowns, one to Jalen Waddle, one to Tyreek Hill. But I, I walked away believing and feeling confirmed in my belief that Tua should take a pay cut. I really believe another quarterback could do his job, and I am begging Tua to be self-aware, take less money so you can have better teammates and win more. I think it's good for the longevity of her career. It's going to make you a bigger star. It's going to make you more money in the long run. Winning, uh, getting endorsements, and you know, if you win, they keep you around longer. So I just think Tua, for the good of his career, I know it's counterintuitive, but he should take less money to win more, have better teammates. Um, that's what I would do if I was Tua. Take $20 million a year fully guaranteed. That's I would take $20 million a year for five years. That's $100 million fully guaranteed. That's an incredible deal for Tua. He's generational wealth. You take care of the players around you. You're set. You're going to win a lot. That's what I would do if I was Tua. And the less money you pay Tua, the more valuable he is. And look, he's not a guy you pay... Josh Allen money. He's not a guy you pay Kyler Murray money even. Like, Tua has limitations, and I just, I really believe I, what I saw on Saturday against Buffalo was a quarterback who is replaceable. Other people could do that job. Like, you got guys wide open, you got incredible receivers, and, you know, I, I will say this, and I think this does matter, even though Miami's 8-6 and six right now. I, I know it's funny, I'm like, saying Tua should take a pay cut, he's replaceable. But, like, I do believe Miami can hang with anybody. They're, they got an awesome front seven. Their pass rush gets pressure. They've got a a running game that's developing. They've got incredible receivers. Tua gets the ball out on time and is pretty accurate. And I think Miami's going to make the playoffs. And if they do, they're going to give us a really, really good playoff game. Like, Miami against Cincinnati or... Miami against Kansas City. That's going to be a fun, entertaining, exciting playoff game. That's a, a, a great thought to me. Uh, so no knock on Miami. They're, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. But, um, you know, I, I just, uh, Tua, what I saw was a lot of, here, here's the problem when you watch Tua play Josh Allen. And I know, I, I think I say this all the time, almost any quarterback Josh Allen plays against Josh Allen makes the opposing quarterback look small and weak and not very talented, but 
the ability Josh Allen has to stretch the field without even trying, like the field is just has more spots and locations available to him than other people because his arm is so much more talented and bigger. Um, I don't know. I thought Tua's limitations kind of showed on Saturday against Buffalo, and that's unfortunate, but it's what I saw. Now, one little note here. Yeah, it's very cold right now. We're going through a winter storm all over America. I love the little hand warmers, like pocket pouch, built right into jerseys. It's a great design. I would have loved to have that as a player growing up. Not even in games, like just in practice. It would have been awesome to have just a little pouch all the time for my hands. I had like a a hand warmer, like the the Madden style one that Peyton Manning had, but it just was bulky and in the way. Cut, cut into the jerseys like an incredible design. I can't imagine it's cheap, nor a realistic solution for like a high school or small college football team. But oh my goodness, I watch players in the NFL have that like you know hand warmer in their jersey. I'm so jealous. It's such a really really cool design. Now uh, let's talk about Sunday. On Sunday, Philly beat Chicago 25 to 20. And this game delivered exactly what I wanted. It was fun. It was awesome. We had two talented young quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts. Bears quarterback Justin Fields was 14 for 21, passing for 152 yards. He had two touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He also ran 15 times for 95 yards. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts was 22 for 37, passing for 315 yards. Uh, zero touchdown passes. He also threw two interceptions, which is not great. And uh, two of his touchdown runs, because he ran for three touchdowns and 61 yards, two of the touchdown runs that Jalen Hurts had uh, were quarterback sneaks. So he was running the football for touchdowns rather than throwing touchdowns, but he was running to like finish off really good drives. He had a 22-yard touchdown run and then two like one-yard, six-inch quarterback you know, QB sneaks for a touchdown. So... I don't know. I thought the best throw of the night for Jalen Hurts, by the way, was this beautiful deep ball down the right sideline to A.J. Brown a beat man coverage. I just saw that and I was like, whoa! That's an impressive big boy throw by Mr. Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts did get hurt in this football game. We are told by Philly that, oh, it's not a big deal. He's just got a sprained shoulder, which isn't encouraging. Uh, as a precaution, we're being told he's not going to play or most likely may not play against Dallas this weekend, which is kind of a fun thought because maybe it means we're going to see one of my favorite quarterbacks on the planet, Gardner Minshew, beat the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. How fun would that be? You know, I've said for years that Gardner Minshew, if you put him on a really good football team, he would win. And we might actually finally get to see that theory tested on Saturday as Dallas will play Philly. Now, it feels like Minnesota and Philly are on a collision course in the NFC title game. That's going to be a fun matchup. One I really want to happen. I want Kirk Cousins against Jalen Hurts. And, uh, you know, I I think once upon a time, in fact, it is true, Nick Foles and the Eagles knocked out Case Keenum and the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl and sent Minnesota home. So it would not be the first time that they have played each other in a late stage playoff game. I just, you know, my last thought on this football game, I want to give another shout-out to Justin Fields, man. A, the dude is so fun to watch, and in this game, I mean, the guy is so crazy talented. He made so many defenders miss and escaped a lot of sacks. I just, I really can't say enough good things about Justin Fields. He really is 
an incredible, incredible talent at the quarterback position. Guys, uh, I am having a, a hard time. I I can't talk like that well. And I I go for about 10 minutes and my throat is full of stuff and I can't go and I cough. And I, I, I promise you, like, doing the absolute best I can. I didn't want to take the week off, so it's going to be a choppy, weird episode where there's a lot of cuts and stuff. Hopefully you don't notice it too much, but um, I want you to know I'm powering through. Like, I, I didn't plan on recording an episode Thursday morning. It feels incredibly late to cover football from the weekend, but I, I, I couldn't talk, and uh, the best I got is this. Now, the Detroit Lions beat the Jets 20-17 to on Sunday. It was a... Massive, massive win for the Detroit Lions. They started the year one and six. Now they're seven and seven with a chance to make the playoffs, which is absolutely awesome. Now, this game was a fourth quarter comeback, by the way, as well. The game was back and forth, but Detroit scored a go ahead touchdown with a minute 49 left. There was like a long touchdown on fourth and inches. Little late leak by the tight end. What an awesome play call! Great play design. What that meant was the New York Jets got the ball. Down three, 20 to 17 with a minute 49 left. And the Jets, here's a key detail. The New York Jets had three timeouts available. And yeah, they had a couple big plays. The Jets converted a third and 19. Later, they converted a big fourth and 18. I mean, Zach Wilson took kept getting sacked, which I don't love. But ultimately, the Jets offense ran out of time. And I really respect... Jets head coach Robert Sala, I find myself rooting for him heavily. But you got to call out a mistake and a a problem when you see it. His clock management on Sunday against the Lions was absolutely awful. For some reason, unexplicably, I I can't explain it, um, the Jets just let the clock run down. I don't know what was going on. I don't know why. Robert Sala after the game, I thought could have done a better job saying he was wrong, but he did say, like, I'll evaluate, rewatch it. I would imagine now, after rewatching and evaluating, Robert Sala would say, yeah, I mishandled the clock because it was pretty obvious from everybody watching. Like, we're watching the clock go tick, 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 just ticking down and down. And for some reason, the judge just three timeouts seemed totally unbothered by the fact that they're running out of time to win the football game or even tie it. So the Jets are now 7-7. Seven and seven. They have lost three games in a row. Currently, if the playoffs started today, the Jets would not make it in, which... Um, I think it's a team capable of a playoff appearance and not make it in. I wouldn't be like too crazy. I mean, it's the Jets. They're really a growing franchise, but it would feel like a, a missed opportunity if the Jets do not make it into the playoffs this year. Now, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson returned to the starting lineup for this football game because, remember, the replacement to Zach Wilson, Mike White, the current starting quarterback for the Jets, I would say, was not cleared by doctors to play in this football game. So Zach Wilson played. He was 18 for 35 passing for 317 yards, two touchdown passes, one just absolutely terrible interception. I, you know, it could have been worse, but to me, Mike White is still a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. And what's really fascinating here is that Zach Wilson's going to get another shot on Thursday night football. The Jets play against the Jaguars and... It's just going to give Zach Wilson another opportunity to prove himself. I'm not sure that he will. I think what we're going to see is like a guy who's very average and fine. But I I am hoping, 
and rooting for Zach Wilson to have like a crazy comeback and four touchdowns and look really good. I mean, it's so heartbreaking for a guy who has a lot of talent, I believe, who can run around and escape sacks and has a good arm, um, who by all accounts just loves football and wants to really be good at it and works really hard. It's and he's a top pick. He's a he's a top five pick in the NFL draft. For him to be a bust and not work out is just a, a colossal failure and disappointment. And so I am rooting for Mike White to figure sorry, Zach Wilson to figure it out and you know really show what he can do and hopefully what he can do is really, really good uh, on Thursday night football, but I'm not holding my breath. I am very skeptical and uh, I'm not trusting that or believing that's gonna happen. <clears throat> now Pittsburgh beat Carolina 24 to 16. It's a big loss for Carolina. Sunday was rough. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are now five and seven. They are battling hard to try and win their division, the NFC South. And Carolina is running out of time. Tampa is six and eight, where Carolina is five and nine. They're one game still behind Tampa. There are three games left, so Carolina still has a shot to win the division. But um, you know, if Carolina had been able to beat Mitchell Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they'd be currently tied with Tampa, which would be a massive, massive deal. And, you know, Carolina's quarterback, Sam Darnold, was okay. Not very impressive. He is 14 for 23 passing, 225 yards, one touchdown, zero turnovers, which you like to see. But, um, you know, Sam Darnold could have been better for sure. And I would have been really happy with that. Instead, he was just, he was okay. And uh, Carolina's final three games, this weekend's a tough one for Carolina. They play the Detroit Lions, then they play at Tampa, then at New Orleans. I am not sure that Carolina's going to make the playoffs. I'm rooting for them, but I worry that uh, they don't have enough juice to make it in. Now, I got to say, I am so, so happy for Pittsburgh quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. He had a roller coaster career. Or has had one just entirely so far. Remember, he was drafted ahead of not only Deshaun Watson, but also the Patrick Mahomes. Imagine being Mitchell Trubisky and having the resume of drafted ahead of Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He's lost his job multiple times. He lost it in Chicago. He lost it here this year in Pittsburgh. Um, And two weeks ago, Mitchell Trubisky had three interceptions against Baltimore in an ugly loss, 14 to 16. It looked like... Mitchell Trubisky was even going to lose the backup job in Pittsburgh. You know, Mason Rudolph, a third-string quarterback, once believed to be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph was looming and sitting there and waiting. And Trubisky, in this win over Carolina, Mitchell Trubisky was 17 for 22 passing, 179 yards. He ran for a touchdown. <clears throat> Man, in my, opi- in my opinion, Mitchell Trubisky is a near-perfect backup. He's not a threat to your starting quarterback at all. But he does enough where he can win sometimes. And I think he's found a really solid role as an NFL player. And I find that very, very cool. The LA Chargers beat the Titans 17-14 to this past weekend. I thought it was a really big win for the LA Chargers. The Chargers are now 8-6. and six, Currently the number 6 seed in the AFC, by the way, in the playoff picture. And the final three games for the LA Chargers, they play at Indy. They play the Rams. Very winnable game. And then at Denver, three games where L.A.'s got a chance to win. And I think the L.A. Chargers have a really good chance at making the playoffs, which I am so excited about that because I think the L.A. Chargers are a team that's getting healthy at the end of the year and has so much potential, man. Like, honestly, L.A. is a dark horse Super Bowl team. They're that 
gifted. And you get Herbert on a roll. They got players who can make plays all over the football field. Go watch that defensive performance between the uh, L.A. Chargers and the Miami Dolphins, the way their secondary played. A lot of backups, by the way. Shut down Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. This past weekend, I thought they did a really good job handling um, Derrick Henry and the Titans' defense, you know, stopping the run when they needed to, which matters. And Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers, was 28 for 42 passing, 313 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, didn't have his best game of his life. I mean, he had two interceptions in field goal range. However, Justin Herbert had a really, really impressive fourth quarter. Like, when it mattered most, Justin Herbert made play after play, and he made this amazing throw down the left sideline to Keenan Allen as he was climbing up and running up in the pocket. Just, oh my goodness, it's beautiful. And I've talked about Justin Herbert before. Um, Not only, you know, was I, like, monumentally wrong about him coming out of college, I think I put a lot of blame on him that probably should have been placed on the Oregon coaching staff. But also, I, I really think that Justin Herbert leaving college where he was a you know, chemistry student, and I guess he, I think it was biology. He was some kind of doctor, like, studying medicine or some kind of scientific degree. I know the dude was in the classroom all the time. And to have his attention fully focused on football is such a dangerous thought. That's part of why Herbert is so good now. Now, the Titans actually tied the game with less than a minute left. And then Herbie put together a game-winning field goal drive, just had a couple really impressive throws in a you know, like 44 seconds they put together that field goal drive to win. So, uh, the Titans lost. The Titans are now 7-7. and And Tennessee's at risk of losing their division, the AFC South. And there's really bad news from this game for Tennessee because their starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, hurt his ankle. He left the game for a bit. He did come back and finish the game. But unfortunately, now the latest news from Ryan Tannehill's camp is that his ankle was busted. He needs surgery. And he's probably out for the year, which is a massive, massive blow to their year. I know that Malik Willis, their backup quarterback, you know, they they challenged and almost beat Kansas City with Malik Willis only completing five passes, but that's the problem, right? They just, without their starting quarterback who can make a throw here and there when they need to, uh, they're really, really hamstrung and limited. So I, I think the season's kind of over for Tennessee, and they're actually at risk of not even making the playoffs this year. Now, a huge game this past weekend— was when the the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Dallas Cowboys 40 to 34 in overtime. And my favorite thing about this game is not only that the Dallas Cowboys lost, which is always a fun, glorious thing, uh, but the Jaguars won while Tennessee lost. So now the Jaguars are only one game behind Tennessee in the AFC South. The Titans will play the Jaguars in the last game of the year. And Tennessee just lost their starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. I think it's a great opportunity for Jacksonville here to make the playoffs with their new head coach, Doug Peterson, and their young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. You know, another awesome thing from this football game was not only are the Jaguars closer to a playoff appearance, but their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, looked outstanding. He was 27 for 42 passing, 318 yards, four touchdown passes, one interception. But remember when I said you got to be patient with Trevor Lawrence? This is why. Trevor looked so dang good on Sunday. He made play after play. And I really respect the Dallas Cowboys defense, which makes what the Jaguars did even more impressive. Trevor Lawrence only got sacked once. He put together a game-tying field goal drive. He just made play after play when it mattered most. And I've really thought that, um, 
Earlier in the year, I I remember saying Trevor Lawrence had the best game of his professional career. I think he went up to that, which to be saying that regularly about Trevor Lawrence is so cool that he's getting better and better and succeeding more and more frequently at a high level in the NFL against good football teams. Like, man, oh, man. If you're a Jaguars fan, I know last year was painful. I know early this year he had growing pains. And there were people who have been so harsh on Trevor Lawrence, but it's finally paying off. And the guy is really talented. He's working hard. Um, I love, love, love to see the guy succeed. Now, this was a really bad loss for Dallas. And I feel validated with my skepticism of them. The Cowboys are just so inconsistent. Dak Prescott, their starting quarterback, had two interceptions. You know, Dallas lost because their quarterback, Dak, threw a pick six in overtime. I will say a lot of people have been making this, you know, making fun of Dak for this loss. Um, but I think it's a bit cruel to blame him for the pick six. I mean, if you watch the pick six on film, it was actually a perfect throw. Noah Brown should have caught it on tape. It's a perfect throw that bounced off of his receiver's hands and got popped up in the air and intercepted. That's hard to blame the quarterback. Like, you're a really cruel, ruthless person if you blame the quarterback for the the pick six when you throw a great, perfect pass. It gets popped up in the air, and your receivers can catch it. Um, Honestly, the worst part of this football game for Dallas was the end of the fourth quarter where there was a point for the Dallas Cowboys where all they had to do was get a first down, and they'd be able to run at the clock and win the football game. They could not get a first down, which is a massive problem. Like, oh my gosh, what a failure. So for the Jaguars, it's a huge win. The Jaguars have a shot at the playoffs now. Trevor looked really good. They put together a game-tying field goal drive, end of the fourth quarter. Trevor made a lot of really big throws when it mattered most. And for Dallas, I think a lot of people are looking at them with a side eye, just like, you really want to believe that this team— Like, people are saying, you want me to believe this team, Dallas, is— able to win a Super Bowl. I mean, I just, you can't even handle the Jacksonville Jaguars. All they needed was a first down to ice the game when they couldn't. It's, you know, the, the Cowboys are talented, man. They got a good defense. They've got a lot of talent over that roster. I think that the problem is their head coach, Mike McCarthy, just is holding them back. And it's really hard to believe the Dallas Cowboys are going to win a Super Bowl when they're this inconsistent. They, they certainly can beat anyone on their best day. But the best day for Dallas just appears to be way too infrequent. And uh, I just can't imagine them stringing together a bunch of playoff wins to win a Super Bowl. It it pains me because I think the Dallas Cowboys winning a Super Bowl would be so, so good for the NFL. I got a lot of friends who are British and they're often Dallas Cowboys fans because for some reason, like, I mean, it's the biggest brand in the NFL basically is the Dallas Cowboys. It's Dallas, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. And if you're... And an international football fan, you're either a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Dallas Cowboys, or uh, the Green Bay Packers. And then another team you regularly see is um, Shad Khan's Jacksonville Jaguars. But man, you know, I, I want to see the Dallas Cowboys a Super Bowl contender once again. I just don't think they're a realistic one right now, which is so, so unfortunate. By the way, shout out to Jaguars safety, Rayshon Jenkins. The dude had 18 tackles, two interceptions. Uh, including the game-winning pick six. What a day for Rayshon Jenkins. Probably the best stat line of his entire life. And uh, tip of the cap to Rayshon Jenkins, man. What a—you know, I just got a lot of respect for what the guy did. What a game. And uh, really happy for him. Now, uh, <clears throat> it's very cold. I want to check the temperature, guys. My my feet are like—they're icicles. And I the car was warm when I started. It is quickly dropping temperature. 
It's now colder than it was when I started recording. The sun is coming up, by the way. Like, it's should be with the sun, it should get warmer. But no, it's now 20 degrees instead of 21. Very discouraging. Uh, we've got a high of 24 degrees today, a low of 19. Ah, oh, I should have gone south. I should have gone south. I got suckered in by my family. Stay for Christmas, guys. That's going to be awesome. And I'm excited to see my family. I'm going to take Christmas off this year, which I haven't done in years. Um, but oh my gosh, am I cold? Like, whoo, whoo, whoo. All right. Um, Casey barely beat Houston on Sunday. They won in overtime, 30 to 24. A couple things here. First of all, I just want to be clear. Patrick Mahomes was so incredibly good this past weekend against Houston. It's, you know, I, I think he's so good so regularly that people are starting to overlook what he does. It's the LeBron James effect where LeBron, LeBron James has been so good at basketball for so long that we get numb to what he does and don't pay attention anymore. And I'm a victim of this. I, I've been a part of the Patrick Mahomes, um, maybe talent ignoring or like, oh, he's good every week. But no, like I, I'm, I'm at the point now where I just, I try to watch and, and like appreciate what we have because I know life is short and we're not going to get him forever. It's just a marvel. And people are so used to Patrick Mahomes being so good. They don't properly appreciate him. I mean, we're kind of a bit spoiled with him. Patrick Mahomes in this football game was 36 for 41 passing. That's literally only five incomplete passes. For 336 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, no turnovers at all. Um, Just Patrick Mahomes made so many big plays over and over and over again. And I just, someone's got to say it. What Patrick Mahomes is doing is unreal. And uh, I know he's, we'll talk about some of the weird games Kansas City's had this year, but Mahomes, their quarterback, what an, I, I know, like, I, I'm not saying anything surprising to anybody. Hey, Mahomes is good. Yeah, obviously, Sherlock. You're, you're a genius, Zach. What a detective. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I just want people to really appreciate. If you get the opportunity to watch Patrick Mahomes any day of the week, you, you turn it on, you sit down, you shut your mouth, and you enjoy it. Because, oh, my goodness. Every time I watch the guy, I actually, I think I get more and more impressed every time, which uh, maybe it's just me. I'm getting older, and I try to appreciate all the little stuff in my life. But I certainly appreciate that Patrick Mahomes is a player I can watch every Sunday. Because, man, is it just so entertaining and high-level and, you know... I, I love Tua, the Dolphins quarterback. Dude, literally almost every play, Patrick Mahomes does something that Tua just physically isn't capable of doing. And Patrick Mahomes, almost every play does something most quarterbacks in the NFL physically are incapable of doing. It's just like, there's only a handful of guys with his level of talent, let alone comfort level and ability and ability to read defenses and extend plays. It's just like such... It's art. Like, I, I, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a super sappy guy, but my goodness, like when I watch Patrick Mahomes play quarterback, it's, it's just like, it's one of the all time greats. It's, it's Michelangelo painting or something. I don't even know. Was he a painter? I don't even know if Michelangelo was a painter. I'm a horrible, don't ask me about art. I don't know. Um, it's Steven Spielberg making a movie, right? It's just like one of the greatest things you've ever seen in your life. And I hope people appreciate it, man. You know, the same way we remember like the end of last year when I said, you better appreciate the games we get with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey playing on the same team. And then the very next year, that offseason, 
Tyreek Hill was traded away to Miami. Like, I hope people appreciate Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying anything's going to happen to him. But I just, I know life is fleeting. Things are short. You never know. And I, I just want people to appreciate what you got because what he does every Sunday is absolutely incredible. All right. Uh, now, Houston almost beat KC. And I got to say, it is so cool to see a one-win Houston team just fighting so hard at the end of the year. They're not playing for anything, really. I mean, but, like, I guess their jobs and their livelihoods, which that's, that's pretty important. But um, they're, they're certainly not expected to compete or beat Kansas City. And the fact that they took KC to overtime is so cool. Now, I cannot wait to do a film analysis of Davis Mills, the Texans quarterback. I'm so curious, man. I, uh, you know, I, I really, I really... Last offseason was such a frustrating offseason. I didn't get to do what I wanted, and I had all these problems. I, I really hope this offseason can be one of lots of film analysis. But I think the one I'm most excited for is Davis Mills because my impression of Davis Mills is that he's a really solid quarterback stuck on a very bad football team. <clears throat> and he did some really good stuff against Kansas City this past weekend. Some nice throws. He had three touchdowns, two touchdown passes, and a long touchdown run. And... Dude, Davis Mills almost beat Kansas City. Now, in overtime, he had a fumble, trying to extend a play, doing a bit too much. That fumble led to KC scoring a like 26-yard touchdown run on the very next play. Game over. They lost. It's really tough because other than that massive, and let's not understate it, that was a massive mistake to fumble in overtime, hand KC great field position. Like Other than that colossal mistake by Davis Mills, he had a great game. And I, I just am so, I get a lot of mixed messaging. People that, you know, he, Texans fans are like, we watch him every week. He's absolute dog doo-doo. I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure he's not just on a horrible football team? I don't know. And I'm not going to try to figure it out until the year is over and I can really dive into all the film and take my time and process it all. But I can't wait to do a film analysis of Davis Mills because I just, I don't know the answer. Is he a good quarterback on a bad football team, or is he just an okay quarterback who makes too many mistakes? I don't know. Or is he making mistakes because he's on a bad football team trying to elevate a bad football I, I don't. I have no idea, and I cannot wait to dive into the film to dissect, like, what does the film say about Davis Mills? Uh, that's, that, that's saying I haven't said in a long time. What does the film say? It's my favorite thing to do in the world, and I, I really... Uh, this offseason, I'm, I'm not sure what the show's going to look like, I, I don't want to be just Brett Coleman making one video a week. That sounds really um, limiting and boring. But I also want to take a lot of time and make stuff I'm really proud of and think is awesome. So I'm not sure exactly what this offseason is going to look like. It's definitely going to be different from offseasons in the past. But I want to make bigger projects that I take my time with and really have time to breathe and sit on. So uh, can't wait for that. Now, we got to acknowledge this. Kansas City's had some really weird wins this year. Um, <clears throat> you know, KC, they just barely beat Houston. It required overtime. Like, that's a one-win football team Kansas City struggled to beat, which is bizarre and surprising. Also, earlier this year, it took overtime for KC to beat Tennessee with a backup quarterback, Malik Willis, who Malik Willis in that football game only completed five passes. H how? How does that happen? How do you almost lose to Malik Willis only completing five passes? It took overtime for that, too? Like, I'm not sure if it means anything, but man, like those are some really ugly wins by Kansas City that make me go like, what what happened there? It, 
What? I mean, at least they won. It'd be worse if they lost those games. That'd be like a Dallas Cowboys type of move to just blow an easy game. But man, um, I don't, I don't, you know, whether smoke, there's fire. And it just feels like twice now this year, I've watched KC just like totally play down to the level of their opponent. And uh, I mean, I know this team can get up for a big game, but it certainly does feel like Buffalo's a team to beat in the AFC, not Kansas City. And uh, I don't know, like the AFC is so loaded where I think the Chargers have a shot to win a Super Bowl if they get hot at the end of the year. Miami, they're a contender. Like, I think Miami can definitely beat Kansas City at minimum. I mean, the Bengals are out there. Josh Allen, the Bills are probably the best team in the NFL. There's a lot of teams that can win. And this year, Casey is not the favorite. Casey is not the number one team and not the top dog in the AFC. And I I think that is totally valid. And I it's games like this where you're like, how do you almost lose to Houston? How do you... you took overtime to beat a one-win Houston team. I know you won, and I'm glad for that, but if Davis Mills doesn't cough up the football in overtime, does Kansas City win? Like, you know, okay. I just it's a, it's a concerning, weird, ugly win for KC, which I guess when you're that good of a football team, you're allowed the luxury of an ugly win. Like, that's a problem the Jets would love to have. They'd love to be 11-3 and three and say, oh, we win some ugly football games, you know? So it's it's like a... It's like one of those first world problems. It's like when you're that good, we start to look at other stuff as problems now. But I don't know, man. It's just uh, it's worth examining a little bit or at least acknowledging that this KC football team isn't quite the juggernaut they've been in the past. Now, let's talk about a really, really wild game. The Raiders beat the Patriots 30-24 to on Sunday. And... Uh, I think everyone, if you're a football fan at all, you know what happened. But the way the Raiders won was absolutely crazy. On the very last play of the game, the game is tied 24-24. The Patriots have the football. They throw the ball. They Like, it's a short little gain. And Patriots receiver Jacoby Myers um, tried this really wild lateral uh, where um, he tried to throw it back to Mac Jones, the quarterback, for some reason. Who I don't know what Mac Jones is going to do with the football in open space. He's like, I call him Oatmeal Jones because he's just not much going on there. He's he's very bland and not a great athlete. Anyway, um, it got grabbed by Raiders defensive end Chandler Jones and then taken for a touchdown with zero time left on the clock. So it was a horrible mistake. Jacoby Myers, um, I actually felt bad for the guy, Jacoby, Jacoby Myers. He was trying to make a play. He took total accountability after the game, which is, I thought, very mature. Jacoby Myers said he was just trying to do too much, and, uh, you know, I got to be smart with the ball. It's literally the quote he gave, which it's honest that it's real. Um, but on top of losing the way they did, I, we have to acknowledge the Patriots' offense is just a disaster. Like, it, they, they have to get a real, actual offensive coordinator uh, in New England. And I, I'd like the new quarterback. Like, I wouldn't mind if they replaced Mac Jones, honestly. Um, but certainly, you, you got it. Like, you know what I would love? Here's what I would love. If the Patriots drafted Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida, and also they kept Mac Jones to play quarterback for, like, the next two years where, well, this incredibly talented young guy develops. I don't know if... I, you know, it's just, it's frustrating because Belichick's a defensive guy. And at this point, I'm convinced what the Patriots really need is an offensive mind that's going to revolutionize how, how they play. They're not going to fire Belichick ever, but is it a offensive minded coach that's 
talented enough to take this Patriots offense where they need to go, really want to come work for Bill Belichick where they're the number two guy and have to submit and kiss the ring? I don't know. What they need is like Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. But Eric Bieniemy is not going to leave KC unless he's got a great situation as a head coach somewhere. Ugh, it's frustrating. I, I don't. I don't know who the Patriots can hire to run their offense. I don't know who even wants that job. But man, oh man, you'd you'd like somebody like you know that's such a boring statement, but certainly they need somebody to help run their offense and fix things because something's got to change. Mac Jones in this football game against the Raiders, he completed 41% of his passes. That's awful. He was 13 for 31 passing. I mean, I guess that's 42%. If you round up, it's like 41.9. But like, man, 112 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Mac Jones was just ineffective throwing the football. And it's a weird day because you ran for 200 yards as a team. Your running back, Ramondre Stevenson, ran for... He had 19 carries for 172 yards and a touchdown. I don't know, man. It's it's just a Patriots offense that has just no real direction. And it's a quarterback who's not very talented, who frankly needs good weapons to succeed and a good system around him. He doesn't have a good system and doesn't have good weapons. And it's just a, what a, what a, and, and you know, I saw a graphic today. It's the Patriots offense is incredibly predictable. Like 70% of the time, they throw the ball when the shotgun and they run the ball under center. When they do throw the ball under center, it's usually way downfield. When they throw the ball from the shotgun, it's like under five yards. It's just, they're so predictable. It's ridiculous. And, uh, oh man, I, I, I just, I don't know what you do to fix the Patriots offense. At this point, it's just Bill Belichick experimenting. And he gets to do whatever he wants because he's won six Super Bowls and has the right to ruin the Patriots as much as he wants. But I know Patriots fans, despite their love and respect for Bill Belichick, they're not happy with what's happening. And Belichick's just going to keep getting a free pass because he did what he did in the past. But, you know, at some point, it's, it, it is a, you often hear the phrase, what have you done for me lately? We're getting near the point where people are going to start asking, what has Bill Belichick done recently? Huh? Because, Ever since Tom Brady left, Brady won a Super Bowl. He may not be doing great now. His offensive line is a disaster, but certainly uh, Belichick has not been as successful since the Tom Brady breakup. And uh, they, they are just struggling on offense. And I, I don't know what you do. I, don't, I just don't know who wants that job as the offensive coordinator in, in New England. But that's what they, they need, some kind of innovative offensive coordinator. And I just don't know. Who wants to be number two to Bill Belichick? I mean, is it is there not some kind of reason why they hired a former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, to be their offensive coordinator? You realize that, right? I know, I know, I know that in order to play defense, you have to know offense. And a guy like Matt Patricia just knows football in and out, ideally on paper. But my goodness, like, Matt Patricia was the Patriots' defensive coordinator. Now he's a guy calling plays for the Patriots' offense a couple of years later. What a, what a weird turn of events, and I just, uh, it's clearly not working. I guess the final thought I have there, by the way, is, is maybe the reason why he did this weird experiment with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, because maybe nobody wants the job. Nobody wants to be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. Is that possible? I don't know, but it's worth it's worth asking. Why else would they do what they've done? You know, I don't know.
All right. Uh, talking about Tom Brady, the Bengals beat Tampa 34 to 23 on Sunday. Tampa actually led this football game 17 to nothing and then lost the football game. Number four was a massive number for both quarterbacks in this fo- football game, Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. Big number for Joe because Joe Burrow threw four touchdown passes. It was a big number for Tom Brady because Tom Brady had four turnovers in the second half. An interception, two fumbles, then another interception. One fumble was on a failed handoff. And on one interception, Tom Brady was hit as he threw the football. But you know, as turnover after turnover piled up for Tom Brady. And as Tampa slowly watched their lead evaporate. It made me wonder, like, it's moments like this where I wonder if Tampa even wants Tom Brady back next year. Because this was an ugly loss, and I, I maintain Tampa's offensive line is a disaster. They need they need help on the offensive line, but um, has just the relationship run its course between Tom Brady and Tampa? Do they even want him anymore? I know that's it's weird to say that it's disrespectful, but the same way that Tom Brady, the same way that Bill Belichick hasn't done much recently in New England, Tom Brady has really struggled this year in Tampa, and it's not all his fault, but is he the future? Is he the solution in Tampa? I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I, I really wonder if Tom Brady is going to be back in Tampa next year. Um, is he going to be retired, or is Tom Brady going to go somewhere else next year? Does anywhere else even want him? That's another question. Does anybody want Tampa? Does anybody want Tom Brady next year as their quarterback? <laughs> no idea. I have no. Maybe the Patriots do. That'd be wild, wouldn't it? I don't know, man. I'm really curious about the future of Tom Brady. Now, on Monday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers beat the Rams 24 to 12. The big story in this football game was Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield. It was a second game with the Rams. And uh, this time, Baker had a lot of time to prepare. A whole 12 days, actually 11 days between the Thursday night debut and and Monday night football. Uh, Now, the Rams offensive line was just really bad in this football game. And uh, Baker clearly needs more time in the offense to get ready and prepare. Uh, You know, the more complex stuff isn't there. Baker's still working on timing with receivers and... In the first game for Baker Mayfield against the Raiders, he made a lot of throws against man coverage. And throwing a one-on-one is a lot different than trying to find windows and beat zone coverage. It requires more chemistry to beat zone coverage, which is what he saw a lot more of on Monday. And multiple times there were moments where Baker wasn't on the same page as a receiver. A guy would slow down and Baker thought he was going to keep going or stuff like that. Like little miscommunications and it's chemistry. It's not... It just takes time to build chemistry with receivers, and Baker just got there. I'm not trying to make excuses for Baker. I, I know I am, but, you know, I, I just, uh, it's going to take a while. Green Bay pulled away in the second half. Green Bay had two touchdowns to start the third quarter. Green Bay took a 24-6 to lead, and uh, the Packers' offense, by the way, moved the ball really well in this football game. Big takeaway, again, the Rams' offensive line is a problem, but I, I'm really curious how Baker Mayfield does the rest of the year. So I, eh, We'll see. It's worth noting, by the way, I don't, you know, I'm going to say this. I would love to have what Baker Mayfield had on Monday night. Baker Mayfield wore a light wetsuit under his pads and jersey uh, to stay warm in Green Bay. Honestly, what a great idea. If you can play football in 15 degrees 
and not be thinking about the fact that you're cold. You just that if that gets taken care of and you got enough body heat and you're fine, that's really really smart and, and an advantage in the cold weather. For example, I'm I'm really cold right now. It's 20 degrees right now, and my hands are cold. My feet are cold. It, it, this this truck was warm as could be. I was a little hot when I started the podcast. Woo! The temperature is zapped out of this pickup truck. I am ready to go south. Arizona is calling my name. All right. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about three more games we haven't talked about yet. First of all, New Orleans beat Atlanta 21-18. We'll talk about this game a little more during Patreon questions. Someone wrote in about Desmond Ritter's first start, but New Orleans beat Atlanta 21-18, and uh, there we go. We said something about it. Uh, Denver beat Arizona 24-15. to I didn't watch this game. I didn't want to watch this game. I have no desire to. It's two horrible football teams with two backup quarterbacks playing. I have no interest in watching Russell Wilson play Kyler Murray. Like, I, I will watch it because it's my job and it's interesting. But with Kyler Murray out hurt, with Russell Wilson out hurt, I just, I, I refuse to watch Colt McCoy play Brett Rippon. <laughs> I just don't care. I'm so, I, I don't care. You, you cannot force me to watch this level of quarterback play when there's so many other good games going on. I only have limited time. I'm not going to watch just a garbage pile of bad quarterbacks. It's the only game this weekend I didn't even check. I'm like, I'm not even worth like seeing a little bit of what happened. I just didn't even turn it on. No desire. On Sunday night football, the Giants beat Washington 20-12. to The Giants are now 8-5-1. and uh, Honestly, the best thing about this game for the Giants, other than uh, winning, obviously, was the Giants' rookie defensive end pass rusher, number five overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. Really a kind of a breakout game. Kayvon Thibodeau had 12 tackles, which led the team, and a big sack fumble, by the way, which he recovered uh, the ball for a touchdown. Just an awesome, awesome moment for Kayvon Thibodeau. And uh, the Giants are now the number six seed in the NFC. They're really securing the possibility of them making the playoffs. And... Uh, they got a, a tough final three games. Here is the Giants' final three games this year. They play at Minnesota. Then they play Indy, an easier game. But then they play to finish the year on the road at Philly. Maybe Philly rests their starters, I'm not sure. But certainly doesn't seem like a certainty that the Giants are going to make the playoffs this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm rooting for them. I think the Giants in the playoffs, similar to the Dallas Cowboys, it's a good thing for the NFL. But um, time will tell. All right, I need to take a little break, clear my throat, rest the vocals. Give me one second. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. Um, I'm just now getting news that... Let me let me find the, the post that was sent to me. Adam Schefter is reporting that the NFL announced a multi-year agreement with Google granting YouTube TV and YouTube primetime channels the right to exclusively distribute NFL Sunday ticket to consume in the United States starting with the 2023 NFL season. Um, you know what this means? <laughs> Cable TV is dead! I do not know the last time uh, I used cable TV. I, I literally can't even think of it. I have had YouTube TV for years now. It's been the way I've watched every NFL game. I stream my television. Um, and it's going to be even easier now to do that, which is very, very cool. I, uh, I'm stoked for this. I, 
honestly cannot recommend YouTube TV enough. It's an incredible, incredible platform. It's how I watch TV. It's how I, you have unlimited recording. They're not a sponsor. I just think it's great. It's good news to hear this. And, uh, you know, I don't know. The world's changing, man. Things are different than ever before. And, uh, I'm pumped about this. Now let's jump in and talk about the NFL playoff picture in the NFC. The number one seed in the NFC is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are 13 and one. The number two seed is Minnesota at 11 and three. The number three seed in the NFC is the 49ers. They're 10 and four. The 49ers and Minnesota have both clinched their division. The Eagles have clinched a playoff spot, but technically not clinched a division title yet because uh, the number five seed Dallas is 10 and four. They're also in the playoffs and theoretically on paper, currently they can still catch the Philadelphia Eagles. They play each other this weekend. The number four seed in the NFC currently is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at six and eight. They are only one game ahead of Carolina, who is uh, five and nine and trying to catch them and win and snatch the NFC South division title away from Tampa. Again, the number five seed is Dallas. The number six seed also in the NFC East is the New York Giants at eight, five and one. And the number seven seed is Washington at seven, six and one, which is crazy, by the way, because currently... All four teams at the playoffs started today. All four teams in the NFC East would make the playoffs, which is absolutely ridiculous. Can you imagine? Like, I I, I don't think it's going to finish this way. Uh, I'm certainly rooting for, um, like, well, you know, there are two teams sniffing around, we'll say that, which is kind of a fun reference to uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Sniffing around the NFL playoffs, you got... The Seattle Seahawks at seven and seven, and then the team that I am rooting for hard is the Detroit Lions at seven and seven. They are so close to making the playoffs. They are right behind Washington, not far behind the Giants. And uh, I would, oh, I would give my right pinky, uh, probably not actually, but maybe my pinky toe. Do I, do I need my pinky toe that much? Someone tell me. I'm not really sure. I probably do for balance or something. But I would, I would give up a bit of skin on my elbow. <laughs> to see, which is such an inconvenient thing, right? Like, oh, what a what a problem. I'll skin my elbow a little bit. But I, I would. I'd love to see <laughs> the Detroit Lions make the playoffs. Man, I am rooting hard for that. I really, really want to see that happen. Uh, in the AFC playoff picture, the number one seed is the Buffalo Bills. They're 11-3. and three. They're guaranteed a playoff spot. The number two seed is Kansas City. They have clinched their division, that 11-3. The number three seed is the Cincinnati Bengals at 10-4. and four. And currently, currently the number four seed winning the AFC South is the Tennessee Titans at seven and seven. One game behind them is Jacksonville Jaguars. The so Jaguars are six and eight, and there's a very good chance the Jaguars are going to get the number four seed and win the AFC South. The Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill is hurt and out for the year, which is a just a monumental opportunity for the Jaguars to now snatch the division away from the Titans and. For the first time in Trevor Lawrence's career, hopefully not the last, win their division, the AFC South. The number five seed in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens at nine and five. Although Lamar Jackson is injured right now and his future is all kinds, of, you know, I hope he's back soon. Um, the number six seed is the LA Chargers. They are eight and six. I love the Chargers, man. I think they are a team absolutely capable of beating anybody in the NFL, actually. And, uh, they're a team that could make a lot of noise in the playoffs. And then the number seven seed right now is 
The Miami Dolphins also at eight and six. Remember, they started eight and three. Now they're eight and six. They've lost three in a row. They have to win this weekend. Um, now there are two teams that are close but not in. The Jets and the Patriots are both seven and seven. So we'll see if that happens. I I think right now if the playoffs started today, there are some really fun potential playoff games. I mean, we would have if the playoffs were today. Miami would play Kansas City, which sounds awesome and really fun. Tyreek Hill against his former team and Patrick Mahomes would be incredible. The offensive production in that football game. Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Like, can you imagine 45 to 36 and just a lot of fun? I want that game to happen. And then the Chargers would actually play Cincinnati. Joe Burrow against the LA Chargers and Justin Herbert. That would be a really fun game. Some really fun matchups in the AFC and... uh I cannot wait to watch the AFC playoffs. Now, got a couple news stories I want to talk about. We already talked about um, YouTube TV. Number one, doctors say that Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray will probably be ready for week one in the 2023 season. That's a massive deal because it removes a possible fun storyline of Arizona finding a temporary replacement at quarterback for the early part of next year. A guy like maybe Davis Mills or Carson Wentz or Gardner Minshew or maybe Jacoby Brissett, maybe even Baker Mayfield. Those are all options that they're out there that were really fun to think about, but um, looks like now Kyler is going to be back for week one, at least according to doctors on their timeline. It also means that if Arizona does hire a new coach, um, they could have Kyler Murray week one. Although, is he going to be around through training camp? Probably not. Like He might literally start practicing the week of week one. Um, I don't know, man. I think the looming question in Arizona is, will they or will they not fire their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury? I am so curious whether or not he has a job come this time. Really, really come come August when it's time to start next football season. Um, now, we got to talk about the armed services. There's a new bill in Congress that now does not allow athletes to defer their service time. So if you're a really good college football player at Army or Navy or Air Force or one of the other service academies, you cannot play pro sports until after you have done your required service time. For example, if your contract when you go into the military says, hey, you're going to serve four years after your schooling, it, I think it's actually more than that if you go to academy, but, um, you know, you, you, you say you play college football at Army, you graduate, You got to go do four years in the Army before you're ever able to go to the NFL. And uh, it's complicated because there is a law um, that briefly changed this fact, which during the Donald Trump era uh, as president, there was a a law change and an amendment made that allowed athletes to um, defer their service time to go. If you were like good enough at Army to get drafted, you could apply for a waiver uh, to do your service time after you played in the NFL for a while. And Andre Carter is a linebacker, uh, really edge rusher at the at, at Army. Uh, really, really good. I've heard Andre Carter's name mentioned as potentially a first-round pick in the NFL, which is, like, absolutely insane for a guy from Army, by the way. Uh, he's grandfathered in, so apparently the way the ruling has worked out is that any athlete enrolled— before June 1st, 2021, which is when this this rule was allowed to be going on, uh, you can enter pro sports and then do your service time after you play out your pro career. But newer athletes, if you want to play college football, then go to the NFL. Do not go to a service academy. 
because you're going to have to go do the military thing first before you can go play pro football. It's such a small amount of people. Like, like there's only like one or two guys every five years that has an opportunity to go from Air Force or Navy or Army to actually play in the NFL. So it doesn't apply to very many people. But that's kind of why I don't understand why there isn't flexibility here. I know it's a military. They don't care. They, they view you as a cog in their wheel. Um, but what I think is so silly and short-sighted here <clears throat> is an athlete like Andre Carter playing in the NFL who went to Army could be used as a marketing or recruitment opportunity for the military. Like, hey, this guy Andre Carter, first-round pick, dominating, going to get a lot of eyeballs. Why don't you have an attitude where if you get one of these rare guys who's good enough to go from Army to pro football, let that dream be alive a little bit. And then while they're having their NFL career, dude, use the guy for marketing. You still own him. You still get whatever. Put him in commercials. Market the heck out of him. I don't know why there's like a short-sighted view here where, I don't know, it just, again, if you have any dream of the NFL, do not go play for Army, Navy, or Air Force, or any other schools. I know that's already like a common, like everyone kind of knows that already, but in case you weren't sure, now you better be triple sure because, man, the Army and and the military in general, they're now no longer going to budge. If you... If, you, if uh, gosh, man, if you were Patrick Mahomes, but you played for Army, they don't care. They're going to say, you got to go serve your time, but then maybe you can play football when your your military career is over and you've done your obligation to us. Um, so they own you, and if you want to play pro sports, do not. Do not go play. Now, the military is a great option for a lot of people, um, but for the guys who are the best of the best in the football world, doesn't make sense. What's really sad is the guy is overlooked and takes the best opportunity he has, which is Division One offer to Navy, um, which on paper is a great opportunity. But then if, if that kid develops into a world-class athlete who got overlooked and is one of the best players in college football, that's what's really sad is when that guy doesn't get an opportunity to chase his dream and play in the NFL. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's sad to me that I, I wish the Navy had uh, the Navy, the Army, the military in general. I wish they had the foresight to recognize that you actually have an incredible opportunity with a lot of eyeballs on an athlete to use them for marketing and uh, promotional opportunities. Um, the same way like Captain America does in the Captain America movie, right? Like he's propaganda. Why don't you use Andre Carter the same way? Um, just, it's just short-sighted to me. Now, I want to comment on this. The World Cup final was absolutely incredible. I, I, I'm not a huge um, football guy. I don't watch a lot of football matches, soccer in America. Um, but Argentina beat France on penalty kicks, and it came right down to the end. Argentina led in this match 2-0. to zero. France tied it 2-2. Two to two. Then Argentina took a 3-2 to two lead. France tied it again 3-3. Three to three. Game goes, the match, it's a match, soccer match, not a soccer game. The football match goes to (laughs) penalty kicks, and Argentina won with penalty kicks. And the cool story here to me is that Argentina footballer Lionel Messi won his first ever World Cup, and he is um, debatably the best soccer player ever. Like, you'll you'll hear a lot of names out there, but as as a guy who I didn't grow up watching football or soccer in America, uh, non-soccer fans that love football still have heard the name Messi and Ronaldo and David Beckham, their household names. So for a guy who is 
from all accounts, one of the best soccer players ever. Um, at 35 years old, and basically his last ever chance to win a World Cup. For him to win, it's so, so cool. And I'm really happy for him. Argentina, I watched them a couple times during the World Cup. Uh, another great match. They played the Netherlands and had a similarly dramatic, incredible fun match where that game also, that match also ended uh, with PKs. Just a, like, oh my gosh, man. Uh, I watched that live too. So um, I'm not going to lie. I also enjoy watching France lose. Um, I uh, France, man. Like I, I would much rather hang out with someone from Argentina than France. Is that mean? I don't know. I've met people from Argentina. They weren't snobby. They didn't think they were better than anybody. They were cool. They were fun, man. Uh, French people, the ones I've met, often are very, very kind of elitist and think they just, they're pompous, man. They think they're better. I don't know. That's a generalizing statement, but I think that stereotype is true in my experience. Um, now, a fun wrinkle here is that Messi uh, plays for, I'm going to put you this name. Uh, I'm going to try to say it like the French way Paris uh, Saint Germain. Uh, it's Paris Saint-Germain, but I think it's Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain is how you say that. I don't know. I, I also, I'm sick, so it sounds even worse. But Messi plays for a French soccer team in Paris. Let's just say that. And he's teammates with the best French player. He's also teammates with Neymar, which is pretty crazy. Um, but Kylian Mbappe is one of his teammates for uh, PSG, his uh, football club. Uh, and it's just crazy that, you know, from Messi's perspective, he won his first ever world title. For the people that root for him during his football club time at PSG, PSG fans are probably heartbroken watching Messi beat them in the World Cup as they wrote, rooted for France, their home team. So interesting to me. Um, to, to beat your teammate in the World Cup and then go play with him a couple, you know, shortly after there in, a, in you know, club matches is so fascinating. Also, uh, Angel Di Maria. Uh, Angel, Angel, I would say Angel, but maybe it's Angel, uh, Di Maria, uh, used to play for PSG. He had a goal for Argentina in the World Cup final. Really, really cool. Like, just fun storylines all across the board, like all this entanglement and fun stuff. But um, I just, I, I don't really talk about soccer. I'm not even a big soccer guy, really. But I know Messi, and I know that it's a massive deal that he won his first ever World title. I think that's very cool. And I, I, I watched the match. It was so dramatic. It was crazy, dude. Like, I... As not a soccer fan normally, I made fun of soccer recently. Like I, I was playing Zelda during the soccer match to be like, oh, this is how you enjoy soccer. You you play Zelda basically. But I I was thoroughly entertained the entire game and the entire match during the World Cup final, and um, it was truly just an incredibly incredibly entertaining match, full of drama, and uh, could not have finished any more of an entertaining way. And uh, I, I love when sports, I don't care what sport it is. I'll watch anything that has tension down to the end and uncertainty. I love that stuff. It was chaotic. It was uncertain. It was so much fun. And uh, the World Cup final was a great, great match to watch. Uh, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix is returning to Oregon for his final year of eligibility. I love, love, love this. If Bo Nix went to the NFL right now, he'd be a second or third, maybe fourth round pick. Staying in college gives Bo Nix a chance to not only become a first-round pick, where Bo Nix at Oregon this year, by the way, threw for 3,389 yards, 27 touchdown passes, 6 interceptions. He also ran for 504 yards and 14 touchdowns. That's 41 total touchdowns this year for Bo Nix at Oregon, with a bowl game ahead, by the way. They got a great one. I can't remember who they're playing. It's a really good, interesting bowl game. Uh... Bo Nix next year, in my opinion, is going to have a really good opportunity to maybe win the Heisman Trophy. 
And here are the benefits to staying at Oregon for him. Chance at the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he's also going to get to be the man and just enjoy life in college. In the NFL, you're guaranteed nothing. I think if you can enjoy playing football, do it as long as you can. Nothing wrong with having an extra indulgent year to enjoy. Being a starter, getting to play every game, getting to grow as a player. But also, like, it's, it's fun to start. And to be a guaranteed starter, that's a cool opportunity that not a lot of people have in the world ever. In the NFL, you certainly wouldn't have this. I don't see any reason to leave early when you got a good setup in college. By staying in college, Bo Nix can grow and improve as a quarterback and potentially become a first-round pick. So I see nothing but benefits from Bo Nix uh, for staying at Oregon. I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Oregon program getting him back. It's a big deal. Um, unfortunately, Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator who uh, is part of why Bo Nix went to Oregon, he left to go be the head coach at Arizona State, but... Um, I don't know, man. Dan Lanning's there. It's going to be fun. Like They're really building something in Oregon, I think. And uh, big get for Dan Lanning, the head coach at Oregon, to keep Bo Nix for one more year. Some stability to have a kind of a guy who's, got, I think, going to attract some transfers and recruits and guys going to want to play with him. Oh, I love Bo Nix. And I, I would love to see Bo Nix win the Heisman Trophy next year at Oregon. I mean, I thought he had a good argument, by the way, this year. So, oh, man. Uh, now, here's a wild story. Stay with Oregon football. Oregon tight end Cam McCormick was just granted a ninth year of eligibility in college football. He's missed basically four years of time due to injuries and various other stuff. Um, Cameron McCormick, Cam McCormick, just finished his seventh year at Oregon. And uh, this year will be a year. He had nine catches this year, 64 yards, three touchdown catches. Not a like overly impressive college football player. He's not really considered an NFL prospect. But he also already does have his bachelor degree and a master's degree. So he's really used the opportunity um, at Oregon to put himself ahead in life, which is so smart. He's 24 years old. Cam McCormick could play next year. That'd be year eight. But he's also eligible to play the year after that as well. So he would have nine years at Oregon in Eugene playing college football, which it's a lot of your life, honestly. (laughs) That's 10 years of your life, basically, and uh I mean, I, I would imagine it's it's probably 10% of your life, man. Like, you lived to be 90, spend nine years at Oregon. Do you want to spend 10% of your life playing college football at Oregon? I don't know that that's a bad idea either. I mean, it's I'm just really curious what this guy does. He's not even sure if he's going to come back for next year. So I think he's going to have to figure out how he would even do that. Because you got to take classes somehow and somewhere. And how does he fit in academically at Oregon? But, um, man, oh, man, I'd, I'd love to see him if he wants to, uh, play this out as long as he possibly can. Not because not he's got an NFL future or anything, but if he's happy and enjoying life, use the opportunity as best you possibly can, my man. And uh, I'd love to interview Cam McCormick maybe and hear about his experience and how he weighs that decision about leaving or staying. That'd be really interesting. So Cam McCormick, if, if you're out there, hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. I'll even, I'm driving through Eugene in a couple weeks, so... Um, maybe we could connect down in Eugene. I think they'll actually be gone for their bowl game, but either way, interesting stuff. Um, let's do some questions from Patreon. If you want to submit questions to the show, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. If you donate a dollar a month, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single write-in with my eyeballs. These are questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and or ideas. Please do. It literally helps pay my bills. Um, you know, I 
Patreon is the best income in my life. <laughs> it's, most, it's massively important. So, uh, you know, if you want to su- support the show, but also maybe participate in what's going on, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shumler. Let me find my phone because I'm stupid. I always do this. I always like, let's go to questions from Patreon. And then I never actually open my phone to find the questions from Patreon. Uh, the first question today is from Brandon. <clears throat> Brandon writes in, Brandon says, no, that's that's not right. There we go. Brandon says, hey, Zach, how do you think Desmond Ritter did in his first NFL start? I'm trying to be objective and not compare him to Marcus Mariota or any other rookie, but he did not look comfortable with deep passes and did not command the offense very well. Should Atlanta double down and give him another year to prove he's the franchise guy? Or attack for a new quarterback in free agency or draft one. Love your content. I disagree. I thought he ran the offense pretty well. Maybe arguably better than Marcus Mariota. Um, he wasn't great, certainly. You know, Falcons rookie third-round pick Desmond Ritter made his first ever NFL start. Uh, they actually lost. Sorry. You know, Atlanta lost to New Orleans in Week 15, 21-18. But Desmond Ritter was 13 for 26 passing, only 97 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Probably should have had two interceptions. I think that's worth noting. Desmond Ritter had two interceptions that one was dropped. Should have been a pick six. It was in the defender's hands. If he finishes that catch, he's gone. And that's probably a touchdown for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, on the other interception, Desmond Ritter threw the receiver. The defender who caught the interception was ultimately ruled out of bounds, but that probably should have been a pick as well. Um, I, don't, I have an open mind, though, because I, I watched Desmond Ritter. He genuinely has a really good arm. And I believe there is some potential here with Desmond Ritter. You know, he had a really nice throw at the end of the third quarter where he stepped into a hit, got nailed as he threw the football. I love that. Uh, he's also a good athlete. He escaped a couple sacks, which I, I love to see. Like, he's, he's a better athlete than I even realized. He also throws the ball better than I even realized. And remember, Desmond Ritter started this game down 14 to nothing very, very quickly in this football game. Uh, almost led them back. You know, he converted a big fourth and five on a throw to... Uh, Drake London, and I thought they were kind of starting to put together a drive at the end of the fourth quarter, down 21-18, and then Drake London fumbled. I, you know, if anything, I was really unimpressed with Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. Um, the guy, Arthur Smith, just does not trust his quarterbacks, man. Whether it's Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota, or now Desmond Ritter, his play calling gives his quarterbacks such limited opportunities to um, succeed. And Arthur Smith, man, his style is old school football. They had two touchdown drives by Atlanta on Sunday where they barely threw the football. Literally, they did not complete a single pass and they still had two touchdown drives. Uh, you know, those drives, no completed passes. They still drove down the field, scored a touchdown. And that's good, by the way, to have a healthy running game. But I, I think they, they run to the detriment of the passing game sometimes. And I, I do not trust Arthur Smith to develop any kind of quarterback ability. I just don't. Think he's the right guy to help a young quarterback. Uh, so I'm I'm cautious, but I'm very curious to see more from Desmond Ritter because I think, like again, I think he throws the ball pretty well. But that stat line could have very easily been two interceptions, one of them a pick six, and a, a much worse loss. So, uh, I don't, we'll see. Time will tell. Let's just let's just be patient and try not to read too much into Week One, his first ever NFL start. But by the end of the year, four games with Desmond Ritter, we'll have a better idea how good or not this young man really is. All right, I had to take a break. I'll be right back. I got it. I just got to take a break. My head hurts. My throat hurts. Let me, let me regroup. Woo! 
Ooh, it is really, really cold. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to, like, enjoy the rest of the show and not be in a hurry, but I, I will admit I am excited to be done recording simply because I'm cold. Um, and I, it's a fine balance here between, you know, like doing what's reasonable, but also trying to make a good podcast. So I, I, you know, like we got a little bit left. I want to get through it. I'm, I'm not, not get through. It's the wrong word. I want to present it in an interesting way. That's good and answer these questions. But man, my hands like they're cold and my, my toes are really cold. And I, you know, we probably got like another 45 minutes to an hour recording the podcast. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. I'm cold. Like I'm, I'm really cold. And, uh, I'm excited to, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm excited to get back to warmth soon, but we do have more to go. Uh, let's jump in. Tyler wrote in on Patreon. Tyler says, hello, sir, Zachary. I was wondering if you think Eric Bieniemy will be an NFL head coach next year. As a Chiefs fan, I'm always confused as to why he's never hired, seeing as one of the best offensive coordinators in the game. People give a lot of credit to Andy Reid and Mahomes, but Eric Bieniemy has played a huge role in the offense as well in Kansas City. I was wondering what your take is on this, where he could possibly go next year. Tyler, I so very much hope that Eric Bieniemy becomes a head coach somewhere next year. Um, he's such a creative offensive mind, and I, I presents like a head coach to me. I, I just I, I I would love to see him work with Kyler Murray, uh, or maybe Justin Herbert, or maybe Houston with Bryce Young. I mean, imagine Eric Bieniemy coaching Bryce Young would be awesome. Um, you know. I want to see Eric Bieniemy with a dynamic quarterback who's got a ton of talent and designing plays for this young man and doing fun stuff. I mean, another fun thought, honestly, is imagine if you could get Eric Bieniemy to work with Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who's just a unbelievable talent at the quarterback position. Um, so, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm really excited. I think if you're going to work, have Anthony Richardson work with Eric Bieniemy. You would need uh, him to have Tyra Taylor or something as a placeholder at quarterback for a year or two while Anthony Richardson develops. But, um, you know, I, I just there's a lot of coaches around the NFL that I don't think are quite as good as Eric Bieniemy is, honestly. And it's an offensive-driven league. I could not imagine myself hiring a defensive-minded head coach right now, honestly. Uh, I, I'm surprised it keeps happening, actually. Um that's not to say defense isn't important, but quarterback is the most important position in football. And you're watching Kevin O'Connell, you're watching Mike McDaniel, uh, Nick Sirianni, like young offensive coaches, Sean McVay, look at the Super Bowl last year, Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, like it matters to have a coach who works directly with your quarterback. The most important position in football. So, oh man, um, it's baffling to me that Eric Bieniemy still doesn't have a job, and uh, what a what a what a shame, in my opinion. Now I say all that. Imagine if he got hired, and maybe he's terrible. Maybe maybe the NFL knows something I don't. But uh, you know, based on their track record, I don't know that's that's very accurate. The NFL, eh, a lot of bean counters that make a lot of decisions that I'm like, oh, really? That's not a good idea. We both know that. Anyway, um, Caleb wrote in on Patreon. Caleb said this. Hey, Zach, as a soccer fan, I really enjoyed this year's World Cup. It seems like you're enjoying it, too. What has changed to have you appreciate some aspects of the game? Um, I mean, Caleb, I got a lot of British people in my life now. Uh, soccer is also really digestible. A lot of short games. 
I'm not that into it, though. I mean, I, I often play Nintendo Switch during World Cup games just because I have the game on in the background and I'm playing Zelda or something. Um, but here's the thing, man. I, I like anything that's dramatic and interesting and exciting. My, my favorite thing in sports is when a game comes down to the end and you have no idea who's going to win. And it helps actually in soccer because I, I genuinely don't know either way. <laughs> I have no idea who's playing or what's happening. I'm clueless. I'm just happy to be like, oh my gosh, I know the rules enough to know what's going on. Wow. You know, I, I, but I, I love when a game comes down to the end. A- anything. Overtime, you know, penalty kicks, whatever it is. I, 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 like, I like drama and I like when uh, it's a challenge and there's a, a shot and, uh, you know, uh, soccer's got a lot of tension that I think is underrated and uh, it's a... It's a decent sport. I uh, I think football's better. Although I heard a really funny kind of argument the other day. Like, a, some British soccer fan was like, you know, American football just makes up points. 21 to 14, it's actually 2 to 3, you know? And uh, there's a flawed argument because extra points and field goals are worth less. And you got to acknowledge that, you know, field goals have to be worth less than a touchdown so that it matters when you settle for a field goal rather than score a touchdown but either way it's just a funny thought though like they, they don't get it and that, that's totally okay uh jonah wrote in on no maybe i think i had one more before caleb yeah gavin gavin wrote in gavin says what up zach if the 49ers end up sticking with brock purdy where would you like to see trey lance end up also do you think with brian dable and mike mcdaniels both losing here at the end of the year does 49ers coach kyle shanahan have any shot at coach of the year and I'm going to read this. He says not part of the question. I'm going to read it though anyway. He says, if you go through California, you of course have to take the Big Sur Highway 1 route, Highway 1 route down south. But if you end up going through California on your way back to Washington, I would heavily suggest taking the 395, then cutting over through Yosemite. Eastern Sierras are straight desert floor to the highest peaks in the lower 48, without a doubt the most underrated part of the state. Yeah, you know, I, I, I worked over in Santa Cruz for a, a while, and I got invited over to Yosemite while I was working there with a friend and I, I did something else that day. I didn't get in the car and go to Yosemite and I so regret that. So I, I got to go back through Yosemite myself. Now, Gavin, um, it would be, you, you ask, well, what, what, what happens if Trey Lance, if, if, if Brock Purdy becomes the franchise quarterback in San Francisco, what would happen to Trey Lance? I am not ready to answer that question because I don't know. Let's just see if it even ends up being a relevant question. Like maybe Brock Purdy doesn't play great the next couple weeks. Who knows? Um, now, all that said, I think regardless of what happens the rest of the year, Kyle Shanahan is coach of the year to me. Um, a close second is Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. You know, you look at the difference of Minnesota last year to this year, what changed? Oh, they got a better head coach. That's basically it. Um, but for Kyle Shanahan winning and going to the playoffs and clinching the division with three different quarterbacks is just absolutely insane. And, uh, that's why Kyle Shanahan has done what I think the best job in the NFL this year. Jonah wrote in on Patreon. You are now an NFL head coach. What is your coaching style? Shrewd and gritty like Bill Belichick or a guy who seems like he DJs on the side like Mike McDaniel? And how would you try to balance between I'm your friend and we're working together versus I'm your coach and you do what I say or else? Um, I, I would definitely be the type of coach that's we're working together. Because uh, you are. I mean, the the attitude of I'm your coach and you do what I say or else doesn't work anymore. I, I really don't think. I think you have to earn the right to tell players what to do. 
people that have authority complexes don't like that. But it, it's just true. I mean, if you want people, you know, I, I would earn respect by respecting. And uh, you're dealing with adults, not children. You're not there to babysit. If someone doesn't want to work, you're paying them. You can fire them and move on. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's maybe it's different in middle school football or something where you got to bring the best out of kids and, and like, elevate, elevate them. But um, if a guy isn't doing his job, you find a different guy. You don't baby them and try to make it work. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a different level and different relationship. I would gain respect by being direct. Um, and I would be direct and honest, and I'd, I'd earn the right to critique players, but... I really do think players want to be respected, especially in today's football world. That's what I would want. I don't want a coach. I want a coach who talks to me on my level, not a coach who talks down to me. Um, you know, I, I would hopefully take a lot from Mike McDaniel. I love his style. I think the way he interacts with his players is outstanding. And uh, I don't know why you can't just call. I don't. You. I think yelling at players, man, is so outdated and ineffective. Um, there might be a guy occasionally who he likes being yelled at and it motivates him, but that person is so rare. I think you can communicate effectively without yelling at somebody. I, I'm not a, I, I don't yell ever unless my friends are being like physically threatened in a bar or something. I don't raise my voice. That's just not who I am. I'm not a yeller. I don't scream. I, I, I don't have the, I don't have the energy anymore to yell. I just don't, I get sad. I'll tell someone, Hey, I'm disappointed. That hurt my feelings. That sucks. But I, I won't yell or get angry. I just don't, I don't do it anymore. Um, and, you know, I I, uh, I I love Mike McDaniel's style, also the way he answers questions. He will give it answers in interesting ways while also saying nothing of value, which is so smart. Like he'll he'll talk for a while and say a lot of stuff that sounds fun to listen to. But it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't give away any strategy. It doesn't give away anything worthy of uh, a dramatic breakdown from the opposing sideline. Nothing like that. He just talks. And it's it's such a underrated skill to be able to talk without saying anything valuable. That's um, <laughs> probably not a skill I want to have as a podcast host, honestly. But um, for a head coach who's every word's being picked apart like with a scalpel where people are constantly looking for stuff that you're wrong about or to pick apart. He does such an elegant job of answering questions without giving away any juicy details to the media, but also, in a weird way, giving quotes that are interesting in a different way. Uh, now, one second. I got a cough. All right. Um, coughing is fun. <laughs> Nathan wrote in. Nathan said, by the way, I got an incredible write-in from a guy named James today. I am going to move that right in until the next episode because I think that it's such a great write-in. It's fun. It's long, and it's it's worthy of being done right. So I don't want to I don't want to read it on a day where I, I'm struggling to read and not great. Nathan writes in. Nathan says, "Hey, zigzag Zach attack. You can do better than that, Nathan. I love you, man. But like, can you hear the sound?" Like the, like the, some kind of construction truck. I can hear that. If I can hear it, you probably can. So give me a second. I'm going to cough anyway. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. Um, I'm actually going to call an audible here. I've got a write-in from 
Nathan, a write-in from Kenny, James, Will, and Adam. They're all great write-ins. I'm going to hold on to them. That sound, too. There's a lot going on here. There's like a crazy sound behind me. My throat hurts really bad. I'm cold. I'm having a hard time talking. Uh, I have I have great write-ins for this episode. Good news is none of them are time-sensitive. So what I'm going to do is next episode, we're going to read a lot more questions than normal. Um, I've got like, was, was that five, I think? I'm going to just keep them in my Google Docs. Um, I've got my notes here for them, how to answer them. I think they're great questions, but they're also, they don't need to be read today compared to a week from now. So I'm just going to sit on them and try to get through this episode. I've got one more topic I want to do before we go uh, for the day. And I, I, I just, I can't stress enough how much my throat hurts and my head hurts and I'm, I'm coughing constantly. And I just, uh, I'm still very sick. <laughs> the drugs have worn off after all this time, however long we've been going. So I'm going to, um, take one more break, try to recalibrate, and then uh, end the show with one final segment talking about this upcoming weekend in the football world. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'll be right back. All right. Uh, final topic of the day. Um, I, I, have I sold it? Does, do I seem sick? I, I hope I haven't come across this entire episode seeming like a tragic mess. I also hope it's clear, you know, a lot of people are probably thinking, Zach, the reason you're sick is because you're living in your truck and it's 20 degrees outside. Ah, no. Uh, this week I'm staying with my friend because I'm not I'm not asleep. Dude, you think I'm going to sleep in my truck in two sleeping bags <laughs> in 20 degree weather? You're out of your mind. I'm not crazy. I'm, I am crazy, but I'm not dumb, I hope. Um, so I'm sick probably because I was sleeping in my truck in the cold and I, I will not be in my truck from here until after Christmas, and then after Christmas, your boy is going to California. I am so done with this place. Um, anyway, let's end the show today with this. There are a lot of big games this weekend. I'm really, really excited. On Thursday night football, uh, tonight, actually, the Jaguars play the Jets. It is start number two for Jets quarterback Zach Wilson. He needs to win. He also needs to play well, uh, or else the Jets are going to go back to Mike White, who has been hurt, but is very much the Jets' best quarterback. Now, the Jaguars are fighting for a playoff spot. They have a chance to win the AFC South. Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill has an ankle injury. He's actually out for the year. So they are one game behind Tennessee who doesn't have a quarterback. I am rooting hard for the Jaguars to win here. I want to see the Jaguars make the playoffs with Trevor Lawrence in his second year. A lot of people doubted Trevor. A lot of people were harsh to Trevor. No patience. But, man, to see the guy make the playoffs would be so, so cool and so vindicating and validating of who he is and what he's done uh, this year. So... You know, um, I think, frankly, it might be the best game of the weekend, actually. <laughs> Thursday Night Football. That hasn't happened in a long time. We've had a really, truly great Thursday Night game. I'm very, very excited for this football game. Sunday is Christmas Day. So, on Saturday, we've got 11 football games. The best five uh, on Saturday are, number one, this. The Eagles against the Dallas Cowboys. Game is in Dallas. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder. He likely will not play, which means... We're probably going to get to see Gardner Minshew, the Eagles' backup play. And I have always said that Gardner Minshew would win on a really good football team. And maybe we're finally going to figure out if that is actually true. Uh, it's a big rivalry game, an AFC or an NFC East battle. Uh, I can't wait, man. Both teams have already made the playoffs. They've clinched that, but the division is not sealed yet. 
And there's real animosity between Philly and Dallas. And uh, these two teams, I can imagine it's going to be a hard-fought game in spite of it, even though they're two playoff teams. So I'm excited, man. This is also the other best game of the week. And Thursday night's awesome. This game on Saturday, Eagles-Cowboys. I just want to watch Gardner Minshew beat Dallas. That would be so, so fun to see. Giants-Vikings is really fun. The Giants are trying to make the playoffs. They're currently the number six seed in the NFC. They've got to win at Minnesota. That's not an easy thing to do. But the Vikings are coming off of a massive win, the biggest comeback in NFL history. It's a big emotional win. And historically, teams coming off a big emotional win end up being flat the next week as a result. So we'll see if the Vikings bring their A game. Uh, The Giants are no slouch. The Giants are fighting hard to make the playoffs. And... What's cool about the Giants, it would be really interesting if all four teams from the NFC East made the playoffs. How crazy would that be? I don't know if that's even mathematically possible because I know they play each other at the end of the year, but uh, I'm rooting for that if that's even possible. Washington plays the 49ers, another NFC East team. Uh, Washington is currently the number seven seed. Uh, They are outmatched uh, in this game, I think. The 49ers are awesome. They're probably a Super Bowl contender. The, the fun storyline here is that 49ers quarterback, rookie, 7th round pick quarterback, Brock Purdy, is making his third ever NFL start. He's 2-0 as an NFL starter, almost 3-0. He played most of the game uh, in his first game against Miami. So uh, can he win his fourth game in a row? I, I think he can, and I'm really interested to see what goes down between Washington and San Francisco. Losing would open the door for the Detroit Lions to snatch, potentially, that number 7 seed in the NFC. And let's talk about that because the Lions play Carolina. Both teams need to win. Detroit is a better team, in my opinion. I think Detroit is a much better team than Carolina. Currently, Detroit is just outside of the NFL playoffs. Uh, Carolina's 5-9. and nine, One game behind Tampa in the NFC South. These two teams, Detroit and Carolina, are both fighting for their lives to try to make a playoff push. And uh, it's just a compelling game, man. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really hard fought, really interesting. I'm excited for it. The Bills and Bears play each other. Buffalo is a way better team than Chicago, uh, but it's Justin Fields against Josh Allen, two dynamic quarterbacks. That's going to be fun, even though Buffalo probably wins easily. Anytime you get to watch two great quarterbacks, just enjoy it. And I think it's similar to watching Jalen Hurts play Justin Fields last week. The Justin Fields show is just fun. It's two quarterbacks who can run, who can make plays, who can escape sacks. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I, uh, I just I can't recommend enough. Anytime you get to watch Justin Fields, you should take up the opportunity and Hope you really, really enjoy it. There are three games on Christmas Day. Uh, Packers-Dolphins is one. Uh, Miami lost three in a row. They need to win here. After losing three in a row, Miami's eight and six. They're trying to stay in the playoff picture. They started eight and three. That's massive for them. So Packers-Dolphins is really interesting. Another storyline. I love watching Christian Watson, the Packers' young rookie receiver. Second round pick. Really come alive. He's been so awesome recently. Um, The two awful games on Christmas Day and well, games I would argue you shouldn't even worth watching. Like, I, you know, I'm taking Christmas Day off. Uh, I'm going to watch Packers-Dolphins for fun. I, it's, a, it's not a day I want to work. And watching Tampa play Arizona sounds like a lot of work. Watching the Broncos play the Rams. That's a, I mean, that's a more interesting game. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, Tampa-Arizona, it's two teams with losing records. Tampa's trying to stay first in the N- NFC South. The game only matters if... Really, the only the only thing that matters in this football game is the outcome. Does Tampa win or not? Because they're trying to they're trying to win their division, and then every game matters for them. But it's it's an awful football game. I, I don't care. I don't want to watch Colt McCoy play this gimpy Tom Brady football team with no offensive line. 
Then the Broncos play the Rams. Uh, both teams are 4-10. and 4-10. and 10. You want to watch that on Christmas Day or hang out with your family? Your family must suck if you want to watch Broncos Rams. I mean, my gosh. The only interesting thing going on in this football game for the Rams, uh, or, or really for either team, is Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield. And I think that's going to be fun. I, I'm really... I like this interesting storyline. Hopefully the resurgence of Baker Mayfield. This first game was awesome against the Raiders. Game number two, Monday Night Football against the Packers was not quite as awesome. The offensive line is a massive, massive problem for the LA Rams. I'll watch it probably Monday, but I'm not I'm not skipping family time to watch this game live. Like, no way. Now, Monday Night Football is going to be awesome. It's Chargers-Colts. The Chargers are 8-6. and six. They are currently the number six seed in the AFC Really, I just want to see Justin Herbert make the playoffs, man. I am heavily rooting for L.A. here, and uh, I want to see the 8-6 the and six L.A. Chargers make it in. And I think they're, they're dark horse uh, Super Bowl contenders, honestly. Uh, I think L.A. is going to go 9-6 and six this weekend. They've got potential to finish up as high as 11-6, and six, which would be so, so cool. I am rooting heavily for the L.A. Chargers. All right, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm cold. I'm sick. I'm going to go upload this and uh, relax a little bit. Try to, I don't know, get healthier so I don't have to cut episodes short because I'm so sick. These are all the papers. I got to use them for stuffing stocking. All the notes from today's show. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day and uh, ba-dum-bum-bam we are